This special edition of CES Tech Talk is brought to you by DNA Nudge. DNA Nudge is the world's first service to use your own DNA plus your lifestyle to nudge you toward healthier choices each time you shop. Hey, everybody. With the Consumer Technology Association, I'm Tyler Suters. We are the owners and the producers of CES, the world's largest, most influential tech event. And we are here to help you get CES ready. The show is January 7th through the 10th, 2020 in Las Vegas. And today, a deep dive into one aspect of digital health, all the ways the tech is helping us be healthier and better informed about our wellness. And really, it's that second outcome we're focusing on today. We are talking with a UK company called DNA Nudge. And this is a company that can use your own DNA to help you make healthier choices when you're shopping for groceries. So knowing what is best for you based on exactly who you are, and I think you could say what you are. We can't help but sometimes make poor dietary choices, some of us more frequently than others, but is that the result of us not really caring about what we're eating or the choices we're making, or is it more because we honestly just don't know and aren't well enough informed about what the right choices are? Well, this is a topic that DNA Nudge is taking on head-on, and it's a very personal story, as we'll hear from their founders. So today, what a startup, a research university, and a supermarket chain in the UK are doing to drive forward one aspect of digital health. That's this edition of CES Tech Talk. Joining us today from London, England, are Professor Chris Tomazu, who is CEO and co-founder of DNA Nudge, and also Dr. Jonathan Pearson Studdard, who is the Wellcome Trust Clinical Research Fellow at the School of Public Health at the Imperial College of London. Gentlemen, good morning slash good afternoon to you both, and thank you for being here. Yes, good afternoon to you. <laughs> good afternoon. Uh, so, somewhat diverse backgrounds between the two of you. Can we begin by hearing how you both came together and, and why your backgrounds mesh so well? for uh, the DNA Nudge project. And, and Chris, why don't we start with you? Yeah, so I think the linkage is Imperial College London. Um, I'm a professor there, as well as the CEO of DNA Nudge. And uh, Johnny is a doctor of public health at Imperial College. And I guess uh, very much uh, we come from a background of engineering and science, effectively. I'm, I'm uh, an engineer, and, and I enjoy the sort of gadgetry of, of, of uh, technology, and I've, I've moved for many years towards personalized healthcare and seeing how we can apply technology to healthcare, particularly consumer health. And, um, and, and Johnny comes from a public health background, so our paths were meant to meet sometimes, and now <laughs> is the time they've met when we've actually got to the public with this technology. Well, uh, Jonathan, coming from from your uh, background in public health, did you imagine yourself being in a uh, a tech startup space at some point? No, this is extremely exciting. Um, uh, one of the many of the biggest challenges that we face in public health are diet related, um, and I spend lots of my time looking at what different policies and uh, and we should be looking at to improve diet related health. 
and also the academic side, specifically around diabetes and other conditions. And so when, when I met Chris and he introduced me to DNA Nudge, you know, we really saw the potential as to what can we do with such innovative technology when applied to specific uh, populations or groups susceptible to certain diseases. And it's really exciting. Where did the inspiration come from? Um, speaking from uh, a more American perspective, I would say, um, there are various elements of growing health challenges that we have, certainly. And I think that uh, related to the problems DNA Nudge solves, uh, type 2 diabetes is one that, that comes to mind where the diet that you are, are following or not following is so closely linked to the status of your, your health or, or that condition particularly. So is it the same case uh, in England or the EU? Um, and, and what exactly was it that, that, that drove you all to try and reach the marketplace with this? Well, I can, I can begin, uh, I guess, with a personal reason. Um, many years ago, my son um, lost his kidneys uh, through a renal genetic predisposition. And um, he was eight years old. And it just demonstrated how primitive uh, chronic disease management was. You know, as parents or carers looking after a sick child, particularly out of the hospital and in the sort of home environment, it's very, very difficult. And a sort of paranoia about sort of whether the blood pressure is correct, whether the heart rate is correct, whether glucose levels are correct really, really did demonstrate that unless something's done and technology is demystified and brought to the consumer in a very friendly way, we're going to lose kids like Marcus as years go by. Now, I'm not saying that, that the sort of inspiration was to sort of save lives necessarily by inventing prosthetic technologies, but if we'd known early enough, we could have managed his lifestyle very differently and therefore, you know, avoided almost a mini engine growing in a Rolls Royce car, you know. So, so prevention was really the key for me. And I thought, well, we've got these wonderful consumer technologies out there. We've invested billions in sort of the semiconductor industry. All these gadgets, if we just apply a fraction of this to healthcare, maybe we can make major innovation and bring what the consumer understands, but use it for for prevention and to sort of therefore uh, help with reducing chronic disease. That was really the, the, the starting point, I guess, of, of, of a lot of this work on, on personalized health. Well, before we go too deeply into you know, the inspiration and, and the potential outcomes, Chris, um, I think it, this is a great time to give your personal view on, on what exactly DNA Nudge does and the practical uses for, for consumers. Who are looking at it right now because you are now in the marketplace. Yeah. So I think the most important aspect of DNA Nudge is, is, is really enabling consumers to make very, very small changes in their in their diet initially without them realizing it. It's almost the sort of saying the best diet is the diet you don't know you're having. Mm. And I think this is where we've gone wrong before. You know, trying to change behavior just doesn't work. And a lot of the technologies out there are quite aggressive with that. They're really thinking that, that by giving people information, they can go and just act on their own. And we know that compliance like that just doesn't work. That's why we've got an obese population. Even with national guidelines, you know, people aren't complying. 
So really, really, DNA Nudge is, 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 is a, a service, a retail service, where we're trying to nudge people towards healthier food choices, predominantly based upon their DNA. And, it, and, it, and it's not radically changing behavior. It's actually giving people more choices within their natural behavior. So we're not saying eat a banana instead of a biscuit. They can still eat a biscuit, but this is the better biscuit based upon their DNA. Mm-hmm. So their DNA almost becomes their authority now. Mm-hmm. And then they're guided by their DNA. And, and that really was the, the key to this. And, and we're finding it really exciting and it seems to be working. <laughs> <laughs> Which is wonderful news uh, for company and consumer alike. Jonathan, walk us through, if you would, um, how the technology works once you set foot in a grocery store, in a supermarket, and, and you're using the DNA Nudge product um, as you walk down the aisles. And, and as Chris said, you are making choices. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and as you say, what's so innovative about this technology is that it's at that point of decision um, that you're being informed as to what the better choice is. So what, when, uh, when a person walks into the store, they use their, either the app on their phone or the DNA Nudge band and scan the barcode of a given food. And that will give on the band a simple red or green. Is it good for you? Is it not? And then similarly on the on the app, it will tell you if it's a red. Why is it a red? Is that because the sugar levels are too high or the saturated fat too high or, or what might it be? And instead of just saying this is a red, it will then offer alternatives which are healthier, both combining the, the DNA of that person and also the dietary guidelines, as Chris said. And so that way, we're able to um, look, and importantly, within all of these choices, when substitutes are offered, they are within a given category. So as Chris said, if you scan a given um, chocolate bar or some cereal, for example, it won't be suggesting you go and have a banana. It will be within that food category. This is an alternative food that is better for you because of the given macronutrient being higher or lower accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan, given your expertise on, on public health, uh, to what extent is it true that we all, and this is a general we, but as consumers, we want to make good choices. We want to do what's healthy for us, but we just don't know how to go about doing so or we're, we're poor or inefficient at making those good choices versus actively making bad choices for ourselves because we feel like it or we like the taste of this better than that. Well, no, you make a very good and important point in that nobody sets out to be unhealthy and no one sets out to get illnesses. What we know now is that the environment around us, whether that's the environment when you're in a store or the advertising you see when you're on the public transport, is always emphasizing and nudging us towards the unhealthy foods rather than the healthy foods. What DNA Nudge is trying to do is trying to make the healthy choice the easy choice, providing that uh, information and the actions that can go with that at the point that you're making that decision. Um, the, the evidence is very good there that providing information alone, we all know we should have five bits of fruits and veg a day, yet the vast majority of the population don't. But actually providing that information at a time when you're making the decision and actionable information so that you can make a healthier substitute is much more likely to be beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris, what about... I call it the other half of this technology and the product, but the side of monitoring, right? Lifestyle, activity monitoring is something we're well 
aware of and, and accustomed to, I think, whether you're a, you know, a tech follower or not. The idea of wearable fitness technology has been here for a number of years, and so many of us are using it, whether it's you know, something as, as, as elementary as step counting or um, even much broader, like a, uh, you know, a, a glucose monitor, let's say. But then DNA Nudge takes into account inactivity monitoring as well, right? How little we're acting, how few calories we're burning, how, how poorly we're exercising, correct? Correct, correct, correct. And I think this is one of the, the biggest, biggest lifestyle pushes uh, today that any wearable should have. I think the issue up until now has been a lot of these wearables are effectively open loop and, and nobody's really related, which I think is epidemic right now, inactivity and sitting time. That's become the new smoking. You know, half an hour of sitting, some people are saying is equivalent to smoking a cigarette. And, and, and you know, big meta studies now on millions of, of people are showing that even if you went to the gym following national activity guidelines, say one or two hours of full intensive exercise a day in a gym will not compensate for the health effects of sitting for more than six hours. So sitting is really epidemic. And so what we decided to do was to relate sedentary and sitting time to nutrition and DNA, because they're the three things that life is all about. You know, we weren't born to sit. <laughs> we, <laughs> we have to eat healthier. We have to eat healthier. And our DNA is, is our makeup. So effectively combining those three things and the way we've done it We've done it in a closed-loop way. No other wearable does this. Um, Fitbits, iWatches, these are all open-loop. They say walk 10,000 steps and you walk 10,000 steps, and after a while you get fed up of walking your 10,000 steps. So you're not getting the real feedback. Sometimes you put on weight because you, you reward yourself with more food because you think you deserve it for walking 10,000 steps. So what we've done, we've introduced this concept of the green DNA bar and sedentary behavior. We, we believe that if your genetics are such, and this is your green, these, these are your green traits, this is as good as it gets. Your DNA is as good as it gets, so don't pollute your DNA with lifestyle. So we've introduced an amber in the red and green, and the amber, I think yellow, as far as the Americans are concerned, <laughs> is our equivalent to your traffic light yellow, okay? It's the amber. So if you're effectively sat down for more than half an hour, your green DNA bar starts to turn amber, which means that the good green product that you went to scan is no longer green. It's amber. To take it back to green, you need to move a little. So there's that reward then. So effectively, the sort of the worst of the green products, you know, the gut reaction, I want that chocolate bar, it's green for me, it will become amber. You're not deserving of that product. It's slightly unhealthier for you because you've been sat down too, too long. So we've got this, this bar in the app, which is the green bar, as I say, and you've got to avoid that bar totally becoming amber. And you can set that for the number of hours you want to sit throughout the day. And then the steps come in because you can then set a number of steps to cancel half an hour of sitting. So for my setting, it's 500 steps for every half an hour of sitting. So it's closing the loop and it's related to nutrition. And that's never been done before because this way around, it becomes a dynamic, continuous thing 
you know, your DNA is fixed, but it's your lifestyle that's polluting it. So therefore, try and keep it green on a daily basis. That's the sort of emphasis. Mm-hmm. So Very different from what anybody else is doing. <laughs> oh, no, clearly, Chris, um, in terms of, of, of your point, um, that is all a level of engagement, right? The, the feedback, the, the, to some extent, a back and forth and these recommendations of what you should do or you as in the general population should do regarding step count or inactivity, et cetera. Let's delve into the element of DNA nudge that, that I think is inspiration for the name. That is the DNA aspect because this is a, a, a highly personalized engagement and interaction. This isn't just general advice um, and not even, you know, halfway deep toward your height, your weight, your body mass index, let's say. This is about who you are and your genetic makeup. Exactly, exactly. And and, and what we tried to do there, there, there are three, three really important um, uh, achievements, I think, with DNA Nudge. I mean, the first is that we've invented an entire laboratory on a little chip. So no pipettes, no white coats. And no, you know, three months waiting for results. It's all done in situ on a very, very little cartridge. And the big deal of that, by the way, is getting what we call the sample preparation on the cartridge. That's actually extracting DNA from cheek swabs or saliva on the cartridge itself. And that's all done in the retail environment. So that's one big major thing. Because when people want, you know, people want to do a test, they want their results then and there. They don't have to wait three weeks. So there's the emotional attachment to their DNA. They get their report within an hour. Within an hour, we can process everything. And on their app, they'll see their genetic traits. And that really is a very uh, an emotional attachment to them. And, and what, we're, what we're doing is, where, as I mentioned earlier, you know, there's so much out there in the field of DNA. Um, I was one of the inventors of semiconductor sequencing. So, you know, a lot of hospitals use semiconductor technology to sequence your genome. But we're not interested in sequencing your whole genome. We're just looking at particular genetic traits related to nutrition-related medical conditions. We're not looking at metabolism, for example, which a number of other uh, so-called companies do, where they're looking at whether you can metabolize carbohydrates, the DNA of metabolizing uh, sugar, the DNA of metabolizing salt. We're not doing any of, of, of that. What we're doing is we're looking purely at the key medical conditions that we know diet will affect. Things like type 2 diabetes, as we mentioned, obesity, and cardiovascular type diseases, heart diseases through cholesterol, et cetera, and hypertension. These are very, very, very well-versed genes. They're based upon massive populations. And, 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 you know, clinicians will use this information. This is important information. What we do then is we know that if you've got one or two of those genetic traits, then as a clinician or a dietitian, they would look at that and they'd say to the patient, for example, who might have prediabetes, they say, you need to be careful of saturated fat, sugar, um, fat, for example. Those are the macronutrients that you should be careful of. If you've got the hypertension gene, it's salt that you should be careful of. And so what we're really doing is giving sort of real medical advice. We're guiding 
the consumer through macronutrients to be aware of their health rather than the other way around. Say, look, you're going to get type 2 diabetes. You should have these macronutrients. So, 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 so in, a, in a way, we, we try to demystify that way around. Now, now we, we just, you know, we, we, a disclaimer from DNA Nudge, as, as you'll find with, with the activity monitoring, you know, this isn't 100% precise. You know, risk isn't that precise, nor is activity monitoring that precise. But what we try and do is we try and compress it into just the difference, as we said, between two, two biscuits. So as long as we can guide people to make healthier choices, then we've achieved our objective. We're not trying to sort of look at, you know, 30, 40, 50 genes that would determine whether or not you're predisposed to a particular cancer, et cetera, et cetera. That's not um, what we're trying to do. And in, and in a way, on each cartridge or in each, uh, we call them primers effectively, we're just focused in that particular area of your genome that's associated with those particular conditions. Uh, we will get another cartridge later in the year for supplements, for example, and vitamins, which will be another area of the cartridge that we'll be looking at. So, so that's the way we're guiding people. We're using uh, medical condition to macronutrients. Macronutrients we know exist in all these different products. We've got a complete cloud up there <laughs> with every <laughs> single product in every single supermarket in the UK and we relate all those macronutrients to those genetic predispositions. And therefore, once you've had your test, we know what macronutrients relate to you. That's mm. basically the personalization. Uh, Jonathan, is there an indication yeah. or any research in the larger public space uh, and, and regarding public health of um, our behavior for specific or even general guidelines for health versus our behavior around guidelines that are tailored ex specifically or explicitly to us. So say the difference between, um, you know, government recommended daily allowances, which are broad versus uh, a personal doctor telling each one of us, here's what you need to do and what you need to eat, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Yes. It's a really good question. So there's two things that are clear there. One is that, Within the uh, provision of information, that certainly it is more effective when given uh, at an individual level and that's contextualized around that person's life and what the purpose of this is, whether that's to reduce their risk of a given disease or otherwise. But that across the provision of information in general, we know that providing information alone often isn't enough. And the evidence is much stronger that if it's providing information and then what that person can do about it is much more empowering. Because otherwise, what we can find is um, across the spectrum, whether that's genetics or otherwise, is actually providing information to tell somebody they're at an increased risk of X disease can be quite disempowering because the individual um, may clearly, they, they don't understand what that might mean, but more importantly, they don't know what they can do. And that's basically saying to them, you're determined that your fate is X. Uh, and that sometimes can be um, quite dishelpful. The flip side is clearly as well that making the environment around us more healthy is also really important. And one of the um, really interesting partnerships with DNA Nudge that they have uh, is actually with retailers. So as Chris mentioned, to be able to get all of the, the barcodes and so forth, there's several partnerships that DNA Nudge have with retailers. Now, by working with the retailers, 
to actually see which of their products are more likely to be red, which of their products are more likely to be green according to a given population. That's using both the dietary guidelines and, as Chris says, the DNA, the DNA predispositions. Then what that can do actually is encourage the, uh, the retailer to reformulate which foods they have in store, where they have, so they have more green and healthy foods, more accessible. And so it's both actually changing the environment, actually, as well as empowering individuals to make those healthier choices. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris, and, back, uh, sorry, Chris, back to you. I'm, I'm curious what comes next in terms of the marketplace. Um, you're now in grocery stores in the UK. Um, the initial step of getting DNA nudged to a consumer market do you see it crossing over into other verticals, other spaces? Uh, what you know, what lies ahead? Um, as an innovator, uh, you're always thinking about what's next, and if not what's next after <laughs> what's next. Um, so take us a step or two ahead of where you are now. Yeah, so where we are now, we're, we're in the, uh, we've got most of the supermarkets in the UK covered. Um, we are obviously launching uh, in the US, and CES is going to be a good platform for us. So we'll get out there. And this is predominantly a sort of B2C business, which is uh, where we want to be. It's affordable health. Uh, The cost is really, really, you know, significantly lower than any other sort of genetic test out there. We want to make it affordable. And then we see this escalating both vertically and horizontally. You know, obviously, we've got the cartridge business, a bit like Nespresso. (laughs) So we're going to introduce the next cartridge, which is, uh, supplements. We've also got one for skincare, which is a bit later on down the line. So, so, so we're going down that route. But the B two B is also very important to us because, as Johnny said, you know, if we can now collect swaps, you know, people, we can check through the cloud. We don't. Everything's anonymized. All we're looking at is what this code is swapping in terms of this product to this product. So we can we can monitor the green to red swaps and that information is really, really, really valuable. It's valuable for the uh, manufacturers. It's valuable for the retailers. What about the technology itself? And, and Chris and Jonathan, this is for both of you. Where do you think this will go in the future? I mean, how, how does this develop moving forward? Not just the applications of it, but the, the, the technology itself, the DNA analysis, the scanning, uh, the feedback, the engagement, etc. Yeah, I can see two, two routes. I mean, first of all, we're moving already, we're, we're moving away from just genomics to proteomics, where you're actually looking at sort of almost epigenetics and lifestyle changes automatically. So real-time sort of monitoring gene expression that's going to be very, very important for us. So we can uh, look at that. We can look at allergies in the future, um, all sorts of medical predispositions. I mean, initially, um, when I kicked this off, it was applied to cosmetics, and this was a few years ago. Um, And the reason I went straight to cosmetics was really to sort of demystify the whole genetic testing thing and use vanity for healthcare. And if, if, if I could get people to sort of understand that actually a genetic test is not a bad thing, it's not just all about disease, it's about prevention. You know, there's a number of women that gave up smoking 
as a result of their skin DNA, not because you show them a carotid lung on the back of a cigarette box, but you show them a mirror instead <laughs> as a result of the DNA of their skin was phenomenal. And, and, and so my, my, my dream has always been effectively that event you could go into retail one day and have a test for the BRCA gene or for a cancer gene. And then it would be that, oh, it's that simple technology, you know, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it's given in such a, a way that everything's translated, everything's demystified, and it's preventative. So, so empowering the consumer to bulldoze big pharma and healthcare rather than the other way around is the way we're trying to push this from a sort of large-scale perspective anyway. Mm -hmm. So let's now scale back a bit to the more immediate future in the next month or so. Um, Let's talk about what DNA Nudge has planned for CES 2020. Um, Obviously, expectations are heightened now from anyone who is attending and, and, and knows what the technology is about, the potential it has to reach B2C, B2B. Uh, what's the story you're going to tell? What is your strategy going into CES 2020? I think I think that um, we'll, we'll we'll demonstrate at the stand that uh, we'll we'll do live tests there. Uh, people can then scan products. We've got US products out there. We'll have some uh, some of the Walmart, Walgreens variety of US products on our stand. People will get that emotional attachment straight away. They'll see their results straight away. They scan products and they say, wow, you know, I didn't realize this. You know, and they'll look at product labels and they wondered why salted peanuts that they were buying for years uh, have got actually so much more salt than they thought that they had. And the, the packet next to them is a better salted peanuts for them. So, so if we can get that message across, that nudging message across. And, you know, I was presenting this uh, a few years ago. I was planning to present this a couple of years ago. And it actually, the timing was quite good then when Richard Thieler won his Nobel Prize in economics for nudge theory. But, uh, but, but, but the big difference being that, that here we're using, I want to demonstrate that we're using biology to nudge you. We're not using marketing to nudge you. <laughs> and that it's getting that authority across, you know, and, and I think if we can just demo that and we can in the U.S. create what we're doing over here in the U.K., a flagship shop somewhere either, you know, in, 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 in the East Coast or the West Coast, one in each possibly, and then ring fence it with, with the nudge stations in a few retailers around and use that as the sort of franchise type business model to expand. And, and, and eventually, you know, when we want to reach the millions we don't necessarily everybody doesn't need to come into the shop and have the nudge experience we could go towards direct to consumer because people will realize that their test has been done in in the retail outlet they will see that their cartridges are being destroyed so we don't store or keep genetic information at all don't store any dna information uh, we use cheek swabs which is a one-stop shop so you can't keep any of the uh, genetic tissue. So so effectively, if we can just incubate the similar model that we're doing over in, in the US, and then obviously Asia will be the step after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't let either of you all go without a final question. Uh, Jonathan first, then Chris. Who's your Premier League football club? Uh, you know, we've we've got to we've got to realize what the situation is and where the focus is on public wellness right now in England, and I'm sure it's on football year round. 
Well, but my my wellness levels are always pretty grim, given that my team's Newcastle United. Uh, it's been 21 or 22 years of disappointment, sadly. But, but I'm forever optimistic. <laughs> Understood. Chris? I, I, yeah, I, um, you know, I'm not an avid football supporter, but I'm getting really into football right now. There's one feature, actually, if I can just throw it in that I didn't mention, related to football. And and that is the sort of peer-to-peer and the educational aspects of Nudge. We've got this wonderful feature called Nudge Match. And we this is where there's some gamification with the wearable. You can actually touch two wearables and then you can indicate how close you are with your genetic traits in terms of matching. So for the nutritional traits, I could be 70% matched with Johnny. That would be a green. I could be an amber, which would mean we're between 70 and 40% or below 40% would be a red. Now, this is great for the educational peer-to-peer aspects. For example, David Beckham's genes could be, could be great. Imagine him matching with an obese kid, and this obese kid sees I've got similar traits to David Beckham. All of a sudden, you've then introduced this sort of peer-to-peer angle. Because mm-hmm. in, in, in sort of personalized medicine, people always talk about quantified self. Well, I believe in quantified others. I think a lot of us want to compare ourselves to others. Then you can create forums of people that have got similar DNA to you. You can have a sort of, if I could find people my age group that had similar traits to me, we could then share information about what we're eating or what we're wearing, et cetera, et cetera. And then I think that will be a new type of social network, but based upon sort of health and, you know, making each other healthier through this sort of network of, um, of, of nudge matching. So, so that's something we want to introduce, and we're calling it the confidence campaign, where we get celebrities such as football players and sportsmen to match with possibly obese kids or with, with the general public, just to sort of then start to get forums going together. The product DNA Nudge is now available in some UK supermarkets, and the possibilities seem almost limitless in terms of consumer applications. Jonathan Pearson Studdard is with the School of Public Health at Imperial College London. Professor Chris Tomazu is CEO and co-founder of DNA Nudge. Gentlemen, thank you both for your time, and we look forward to seeing you in sunny Las Vegas at CES 2020. Thank you very much. much. Good afternoon. We want you to be CES ready. So subscribe to this CES Tech Talk podcast, and that way you won't miss a single episode as you're getting ready for CES 2020. The show is January 7th through the 10th in Las Vegas. The information you need is at ces.tech. None of this would be remotely possible without the true stars of our podcast, executive producer Tina Anthony, and our senior studio engineer, John Lindsay. You two are the best in the business. I'm Tyler Suters. Let's talk tech again soon.